Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. You're listening to FOJC Radio, where truth in the Word of God is found. We declare that the kingdom of God is here. Good morning, and welcome to FOJC Radio Church. Grab your Bible and your pens and your paper, and when two or three are gathered in His name, the Lord is right here with us. So thank you for joining us, and here's Brother David. Good morning, and welcome to the March 22nd. 2015 edition of FOJC Radio Church. I am David Carrico, and for the next hour, we are going to be studying the Word of God. What exciting times we live in, and what a great honor it is to serve the Lord in this day and time. It's truly exciting, and uh, I just want to say on a personal note, yesterday, Don and I celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary, and I think it's the best anniversary we've ever celebrated, and it was made just a little bit sweeter by some of our very good friends and listeners that blessed us, and uh, we just want to thank you so much for that. It was just such a blessing, such a special time and a special blessing, and there are so many things going on. We had our total solar eclipse on March the 20th. We have all the drama with uh, Israel going on, and we've got uh, the Passover and the blood moon right around the corner. And I want to add something to your list of things to look at and keep an eye on, and this is something that a lot of people are missing. And it's those things that slip through the cracks that really get you. But tomorrow is the scheduled startup date for the Hadron Collider in CERN. And I believe that this is a very integral part of the big picture of what's going on. And we're going to be talking more in detail about that probably next week. I don't know if we'll get to it this week or not. It very much fits in with the topic that we're going to be studying. And this morning, we are going to begin a new prophetic series that's going to take us a while to uh, flesh out And it's going to be entitled, The Ascent of the False Prophet. The Ascent of the False Prophet. And uh, we're going, as we do, to prepare our hearts to receive the word this morning with the time of worship. Then we will be right back with our lesson this morning, The Ascent of the False Prophet. Praise the Lord. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Um... Brother Gary requested prayer for some people that he's dealing with on the issue of the King James Bible, and 
my goodness, if we can't even get people in the right Bible, how hard is it going to be for them to make it? My goodness, it'd be like trying to go to a gunfight with an unloaded gun. And we need our guns loaded, I guarantee you. But let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for each and every one gathered here this morning. We feel an air of excitement and anticipation with what you're going to do this morning. And Lord, we just pray that you help Don and I as we put forth this broadcast this morning. We ask that you help Gary, giving wisdom and the battle that he's fighting and each and every one of our listeners in that which they are striving to do for you. Lord, just give them an encouragement and an extra blessing and an extra anointing of your Spirit this morning. Lord, we just pray for that mighty move of your Spirit and we'll give you the praise for everything good that happens. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. And we are going to begin a prophetic series this morning called The Ascent of the False Prophet. And this is not only going to be a teaching on prophecy, but it's going to expose evil. And it's also going to tell on the devil, but it's also going to tell you what God is doing about what the devil's doing. And that's the most important thing, isn't it? If all we do, you know, and I know ministries like that, I mean, all they do is expose evil. And we are supposed to expose evil, but if you don't give the solution, you know, you're just going to be left in a, a, in a morass of despair. So the most important thing, and we're going to be uh, interlacing some essential spiritual warfare concepts throughout this lesson to enable us to knock down those fiery darts of the enemy. Now, we're going to begin in Daniel chapter 8, and we're going to read verse 9 through 12. And this is the basic text we're going to work from, from our lesson on the ascent of the false prophet. And the scripture says here, And out of one of them came forth a little horn, which waxed exceeding great, toward the south, and toward the east, and toward the pleasant land. And it waxed great, even to the host of heaven. And it cast down some of the host and of the stars to the ground, and stamped upon them. Yea, he magnified himself, even to the prince of the host. And by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down, and an host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression, and it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. Now, I want we're, we're going to be dealing in layered truths in this series. Precept is built upon precept and line upon line, and you you have to build just like you're building building blocks. So I'm going to try to very clearly establish each precept before we take the step to the next one. And I want you to see the clear, solid, biblical footing we're on for everything that we do and every step that we take. Because whenever you have uh, any unbiblical precept anywhere uh, in your layered precepts, of course your whole 
your your whole concept is just wrong and in error. So the first thing we're going to do is we are going to identify who this little horn is. Now, let's go to Revelation chapter 13 and verse 1. And we're going to read four scriptures to positively identify who this little horn is. He is almost universally misidentified by modern Bible prophecy teachers. He is almost universally said to be the first beast of Revelation 13, the military leader. He is not. He is the false prophet. And when we study the Word of God, and when most people study prophecy, the most teachers out there that are teaching on Bible prophecy are dispensational pre-trib, or they are dispensational mid-trib. And there's a lot of people that teach uh, the the mid-trib or the pre-wrath, and it's just dispensationalism with the timing of the rapture moved back just a little bit. And uh, what we have to do, we have to divorce ourselves from these systems of interpretation that have been devised by man. We have to step back from that and from almost everything that we hear, and we have to let the Word of God speak to us. And when we can do that, we are positioning ourselves for rich, powerful revelation from the Word of God. And you just have to be willing to accept what the Word of God says instead of what you're being told by so many people. Now, Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Now, Revelation 13 and 1, all we need to know is that he comes out of the sea. Now, Revelation chapter 13, verse 11, And I beheld another beast, This is beast number two. The first beast is the military, political leader. And I'll give you the short version. He will be one of the presidents of the United States. And we're going to deal with that. You can establish that from Scripture also. And Revelation 13.11 And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. This will be one of the popes. And it says here that he comes up out of the earth. So, number one, out of the sea. Number two, out of the earth. And anybody that does any time studying the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, they understand and they see very quickly that there's an interconnectedness between the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. And we're going to look at something here that's a pattern that's undeniable and uh, it's clear as day. Now, Revelation, or excuse me, Daniel chapter 7, verse 3. In, In the book of Daniel, there's a little horn in Daniel chapter 7, and we just read about the little horn in Daniel chapter 8. And most prophecy teachers will tell you they're the same person. They are not. Daniel chapter 7, verse 3. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse from one another. 
Daniel chapter 7, the beasts come out of a sea. Daniel chapter 8, verse 5, And as I was considering, behold, an he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth, and touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. So in Daniel 8, we see this little horn coming across the earth. In Daniel 7, up out of the sea. So there's a clear pattern. Daniel chapter 7 is talking about the first beast of Revelation 13. Daniel chapter 8 is talking about the second beast of Revelation 13, or the false prophet. So when we read Daniel chapter 8, we are reading a prophecy of the false prophet. And now that we have identified who this guy is, let's look what this text says that he will do. Now let's read again Daniel chapter 8, and let's look at verse 9. Now, it says, And out of one of them came forth a little horn. Now, the goat, and I'll just give you the short version. In Daniel chapter 8, the he-goat represents the empire of Alexander the Great. And when Alexander died, his empire was divided under four generals. Now, the one that came out, when Alexander had his empire, he conquered Italy. But when Alexander died and his empire was divided among his four generals, Alexander could not hold Italy, and it came out of the Greek Empire. And the, the nation of Italy and Rome is the one that came out. And this will be the place, Rome, that will produce the false prophet. Now, what our text here says this false prophet will do is absolutely amazing. Now, in verse 10, let's look at verses 10 and 11 again. Speaking of the little horn, the false prophet, it waxed great even to the host of heaven. And it cast down some host, some of the host, and of the stars to the ground, and stamped upon them. And he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away. And in this scripture, we literally see the false prophet ascending into the heavens to actually cast down some of the stars and of the host. And we're going to establish that this is actually talking about casting angels down to the ground. So that's why I called this lesson the ascent of the false prophet because literally this is what this scripture is talking about. It's actually picturing the false prophet ascending into heaven. And what we are going to see in the this week and in the coming weeks is that this is happening right now and that there are things that we can see going on in our world that very much let us know this. And considering Pope Francis, I cannot say that 
He is the false prophet yet, but I will say he wants to be. He wants to be the false prophet. And uh, we're going to be really putting some flesh uh, on that as we go on. Now, it says here in Daniel chapter 8, it says that, uh, and I want to read it again in verse 10, it says, And it waxed great even to the host of heaven, and it cast some of the host and of the stars to the ground. Now, let's go to the scripture and let's firmly establish what the host of heaven is. Let's go to Jeremiah. And as we go, I want to try to not hurry and give the clear scriptural foundation each step of the way. And we're going to come up with some amazing conclusions. In Jeremiah chapter 19 and verse 13, the scripture says, And the houses of Jerusalem and the houses of the kings of Judah shall be defiled as the place of Tophet, because of all the houses upon whose roofs they have burned incense unto all the host of heaven and have poured out drink offerings unto other gods. Now, the host of heaven was the sun, the moon, and all of the stars that they worshipped and they poured out incense to. And more than that, the stars in Scripture and in the occult represents angels. And in the occult system, they correlated, like uh, we've talked before, how that the worship of Lucifer was connected with the worship of the planet Venus. And when the planet Venus, and literally in Isaiah fourteen twelve, Hillel ben Shahar was a designation of the planet Venus. And how that when the ancient astronomers and astrologers, they would trace the star chart of Venus, sometimes it was a morning star, sometimes it was an evening star. And it, when you would draw it out, it looked like the head of a bull with two horns. And this is why the, the worship of the bull and, uh, uh, and of the calf, we've talked about that, is so prevalent in paganism. Now, Jeremiah chapter 44. Jeremiah chapter 44. Let's look at verses 17 through 19. But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the queen of heaven. Now, always connected with the worship of the host of heaven, which is the stars, and when they worshiped a star and a planet, they understood that there was a devil and a fallen angel associated with that star and that planet, as uh, Lucifer with the planet Venus, etc., etc. And here we see that the worship of the goddess is always connected to the worship of the host of heaven. And of course today, with the Pope worshiping the, the BVM, uh, the Mary of Catholicism, this isn't the Mary of Scripture, but she is just the uh, satanic reincarnation of all of the goddesses of the mystery religions, whether it be Isis, or uh, whether it be Semiramis, or uh, what have you, Ashtoreth, on and on and on. Now, in Isaiah chapter 24 and verse 21, we see that God 
when he brings his final judgment that he is not only going to punish the kings of the earth, but he's going to bring these fallen powers into judgment that have plagued mankind in the work of God. Isaiah chapter 20, verse 20 and 21. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard. And I think we're going to start to see some shaking. And shall be removed like a cottage, for the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it. The things that we're seeing that are strange uh, anomalies in the sky and the weather, it's not because of global warming, it's because of sin. And that's the last thing that these progressive liberals want to hear, but it's the sin and their sin predominantly that's bringing this curse upon us. And the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it, and it shall fall and not rise again, and it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high, and the kings of the earth upon the earth. And we have to see things from God's perspective. Not only are we dealing with the human agents of the evil ones, but we have to understand that they are being empowered by these fallen creatures from the first and second heaven. And we can no longer approach spiritual warfare from a one-heaven standpoint. We are going to have to take it to the enemy, so to speak, and be aggressive. And we've got the tools from the Lord to do that. Now, in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 5, this worship of the host of heaven and of the goddess, this is the religion of the Nephilim. This is the religion that was brought from the, by the fallen angels to planet earth. Genesis chapter 14 and verse 5, in the 14th year came Shedlaramar, and the kings that were with him, and smote the Rephaims. Now that word Rephaim is one of the predominant words for giant in the Old Testament. The Rephaim, the Nephilim, the Zamzuman, and so on. It says he smote the Rephaims in Ashtaroth Karnaim. And this word Ashtaroth Karnaim, if you look that up, it literally means the Ashtoreth of the two horns. And here again, this is a direct pointer to the planet Venus and the goddess. And this tells us that the Nephilim, that they were worshipers of the host of heaven and that they were the worshipers of the goddess. Now, I want to read something from the book of Enoch. The book of Enoch gives us some insight here. That is extremely helpful. The book of Enoch, chapter 8, and it lets us know a little detail about what should be a pretty obvious conclusion. But the book of Enoch in the 8th chapter tells us how that the fallen angels taught this concept to fallen man. Like, how did they know? 
that the planet Venus related to Lucifer and what planets relate to what devils and all of this, they knew it because they were taught it by the fallen angels themselves. Let's just read a little bit in uh, the 8th chapter of the book of Enoch. It says, And Aziel taught the people the art of making swords and knives and shields and breastplates, and he showed to their chosen ones bracelets, decorations, shadowing of the eye with antimony, ornamentation, the beautifying of the eyelids, all kinds of precious stones, and all coloring tinctures and alchemy. And there were many wicked ones, and they committed adultery and erred, and all their conduct became corrupt. Amsaras taught incantation and the cutting of roots, and Armoros the resolving of incantations, and Barcraval astrology, and Kokorar the knowledge of the signs, and Tamel taught the seeing of the stars, and Asadar taught the course of the moon as well as the deception of man. The course of the moon and the deception of man. And the people cried, and their voice reached unto heaven. And we're dealing here with literally something that is from the bowels of hell itself. It is something that is very old, it's very ancient, and it's something that we're seeing manifest right before our eyes. And as I say, there are things, one of these which we'll talk about, and you might not get that connection, but I believe that CERN and HARP and several black science projects that are going on right now is very much connected with the ascent of the false prophet. Now, we are going to take our first break this morning, and when we come back, we are going to see that while these things that have been given by the fallen angels and by Satan unto the false prophet and his minions are very real and very powerful, that they pale in comparison with what God has given to us. And we might be discouraged and we might be fearful this morning if we did not know the mighty, mighty workings that the Lord has given to us. So that's what we're going to be working at, looking at in uh, when we come back. And we are going to see some very, very specific spiritual warfare tactics that directly counteract and pull down the ascent of the false prophet. And we will be right back after this short break. Well, welcome back to the March 22nd edition of FOJC Radio Church. We really are so thankful and so very, very grateful to each and every one of you that studies with us and lifts us up in prayer. And... uh, We just really love you so very, very much. Now, people that are familiar with Scripture will recognize immediately that what the Bible says of the false prophet, this has all happened before. And as I say, not many people are going to get this because not very many people are going to figure out that it's the false prophet being spoken of in uh, Daniel chapter 8. They usually has this as beast number one, the military 
uh, political guy. But once we establish that, we immediately recognize, well, this has all happened before. Now, who else was it that ascended into heaven and wanted to exalt his throne above the stars of God? And, of course, this was Lucifer. And Lucifer is the the type of the false prophet. And once and another big thing here, uh, most people won't get that either because they cannot... Uh, separate Lucifer from Satan in their minds. So they're they're not going to get this either. And whenever, and and you know, if somebody thinks that Lucifer's Satan just because somebody told them that and they believed it and never questioned it, this isn't going to cause them to lose their soul. They're, They're doing the best they can, hopefully. But when you don't understand these truths, these are important precepts that are going to lead you to higher truths. And uh, this is just another good example of it. Without being able to differentiate Lucifer from Satan, the, the big picture of what's going on here in the ascent of the false prophet doesn't come clearly into view. But what I want to concentrate, and we'll have a lot more to say about that in uh, next week or the week following, but what I want to look at is that which God has done in giving his people a way to combat this. And I want to go to John chapter 3, and I want to look at verse 12 and 13. And these are two of the most profound scriptures in the word of God, right in the third chapter of John. John chapter 3 and verse 12. If I, if I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And this is in our Lord's discourse with Nicodemus. And he was saying, uh, you know, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Uh, he was sent talking spiritual, you know, Nicodemus, well, how can I go into my mother's womb? He was thinking natural. Jesus was talking spiritual. And now, this morning, I want to tell you about heavenly things and I do want you to believe me and I want us to uh, lift our vision higher and get it off of this earthly plane and uh, to see that which the Lord has done for us now in verse 13 this is the most amazing scripture and no man hath ascended up to heaven but he that came down from heaven even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Now, Lucifer ascended into heaven, but he got smacked down real quick. He got smacked down and he got judged. It didn't work out real well for him. And neither will it work out real well for the false prophet either. And while they tried to ascend to heaven and failed, here... The, the Our Lord says that he ascended into heaven and he is now enthroned at the right hand of God. Now, just, just look at this scripture for just a moment and just meditate it on this a little bit. And of course, Jesus is the Son of Man, but Jesus spoke of himself, of being on the earth and in heaven at the same time. 
Now, listen to this. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying, that he was on earth and in heaven at the same time. Let's read verse 13 again, John three thirteen, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Now, we're going to understand what that means, and we're going to understand what that means for us. Now, let's go back to Revelation 13. And let's look at Revelation chapter 13. And let's read verse 6. We just read from uh, Revelation chapter 13 about the beast out of the sea, the military political leader, the beast out of the earth, the, the religious leader. One will be the false prophet. One will be one of the presidents of the United States. And I can say the same thing I, the same thing I said about Pope Francis. I'll say about Barack Obama. I don't know if he is the beast but I think he wants to be. I tell you, it's just amazing what this guy's doing. Just absolutely amazing. It's just unbelievable as we see this unfold. But let's look at Revelation chapter 13 and verse 6. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. This is speaking of the first beast. To blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And we've talked before how that we as God's end time remnant, though our feet are planted upon the earth, yet in our spirits we dwell in heaven because we come boldly before the throne of grace and there at the right hand of the Father we are seated with him in heavenly places. And this is what Jesus was saying. That even though he was here on earth, Jesus said, I only do those things that I see and hear my Father do. Though he was on earth, truly he was in heaven. And so is the end time remnant. Though we are on earth, we are heaven dwellers. Now, the, the antithesis of that is in Revelation chapter 13, verse 14. And he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the miracle, by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. Now, there's going to be two types of people. Those that dwell in heaven and those that dwell on the earth. Now, if you think you're a Christian, but you're going to dwell in heaven, on the earth and only approach things from this earthly concept, that is not going to get it. You will either be a heaven dweller or you will be an earth dweller. Now, let's go to Sister Donna's favorite scripture, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. And this is the explicit command this morning to each and every one that names the name of Christ, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now, what we're going to see as we study the ascent of the false prophet and as we compare it with the previous ascent, that was made by Lucifer that 
where they are ascending to is the throne of God. Lucifer said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. He literally wanted to assault the the throne of God. It says of the false prophet that he will even try to exalt himself to the prince of the host. This is literally what we're seeing right now. Uh, It's just absolutely amazing. But in verse 2, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. There is only one place where we can defeat this evil, and that is seated with him in heavenly places. There is absolutely nothing else that will suffice to combat this evil. But what we will see is that in, you see, it's just like fighting. We fight from a position of victory. It's just like when you fight a battle. You don't fight in the valley. You get up on the mountaintop. And we are going to have to fight from that mountaintop position of victory. And I tell you what, I have just had such an exciting week here. I have just absolutely been experiencing an open heaven. And uh, I'm going to be sharing with you some of the things I believe the, the Lord is sharing with me. But let me assure you this morning, we have nothing to be fearful of. We have nothing to be uh, downtrodden about. We should be excited. And, And we shouldn't say that overconfidently, but our confidence is in the Lord because He is in control. Now, let's go to Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38. And let's look at verse 31 and verse 32. And the scripture says here, Canst thou bind the sweet influence of Pleiades, or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season, or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? And these are the words of Jehovah unto Job that at the end of Job's trial the Lord revealed himself unto him and give him a couple chapters of teaching and uh, Job figured the best thing for him to do would be, a, to, would be to repent and go along with the big guy so he done good and it all worked out well but there's something amazing in this verse and this verse is so uh, the book of Job was written before the flood of Noah. I, I can I can establish that beyond a shadow of doubt. It it's pre it's antediluvian before Noah's flood. Now, when it says here the sweet influence of the Pleiades, this is a constellation known as the seven stars, the seven stars. And when the Pleiades rise, this is in the springtime. And the ancient uh, astronomers and astrologers, they associated the rise of these seven stars with the sweet influence of the spring. Now, Orion is a star that's known as the giant. Ding, ding, ding. And the giant, when it would rise, it would be associated 
with the beginning of the winter season. And here the Lord is asking Job, can you bind and loose these forces? And Job couldn't do it. He didn't understand how to do it. But now Jesus says that we can do it. Now, let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1. And I believe part of this is why I have just been absolutely, I, I can't exclaim it any other way. I would encourage you, pray today. Pray. Pray and seek God because I just absolutely, uh, you know, a lot of times you can have opposition and battles and it's rough to pray through. It, it's just wide open up there, folks. There's just an open heaven to approach into the most, uh, the secret place of the Most High. Take some time and pray today and see what you sense in that regard. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. The times and the seasons were things that the people in Thessalonia understood because of their familiarity with paganism and also their familiarity with the teachings of Judaism. But there are times and seasons of the Lord. He has the times and the seasons of the Passover and uh, the Pentecost in the spring and in the fall feast. They have, uh, you know, we have the trumpets, uh, tabernacles, and atonement. And uh, there are also times of the evil one. And this is the, uh, the vernal equinox and the winter solstice. So God has his times. And the devil has his times. And here again, people don't understand. They think when you talk about the pagan holidays that you're just riding some kind of a hobby horse. These things are extremely important in the, the concepts of spiritual warfare and the times of God and the times of Satan. Now, I want to read a scripture in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6 and 7. And you talk about static on the line. If you participate in these pagan times, you are going to get static on the line. If And of course, most of them people, I don't think they try to do any serious spiritual warfare anyway, most of them. But if you are trying to really seek God... And, uh, and enter into those spiritual meat of God, that will absolutely misdirect you and mess you up. Now in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6 and 7, Seek the Lord while he may be found. And of course, there's an intimation there that there might be a time when you can't find him. So maybe you better seek him while you can. And uh, there is a lot of scripture about people just sent away the day of grace. And uh, they, uh, they want to call on the Lord, but it's too late. 
Seek ye, and of course that's God's call, who those are, not mine. I just preach it whosoever will to everybody. But seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. And there's another intimation in the last part of that verse that there are times when God is closer than others. Now, I don't want anyone to misunderstand what I'm saying. Uh, I can pray, and we make it a point to pray on Halloween. And we will pray on Easter and Christmas. The which And Easter, Christmas, and Halloween, these are the high satanic times. And I can be greatly blessed, and so can you, even on these times. But these are the times... When the powers of darkness, because of the alignment of the heavens, that they are the strongest. And also there are times, and these are God's feast. Uh, in, in the spring, we got the Passover Pentecost. Then we've got in the fall, we've got trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. Now, I'm not saying that you cannot be greatly blessed of God anytime. We can come boldly before the throne of grace, but there are times and seasons, you know, the, the Apostle Paul said, of the times and seasons, brethren, uh, I, I don't have to write to you because you know about it. And we need to know and understand that just like Satan is moving, to enthrone his man, that God is moving also to establish the church and the remnant upon earth. So, I would encourage you, in this time, as we approach the Passover, don't be discouraged about everything evil you see, but be encouraged and seek God because God is truly opening up the heavens and He is giving us a place. He has seated us with Christ in heavenly places and let me tell you what, we have a big God. So it's okay to pray big. I think a lot of times we just don't ask big enough. And God is is omnipotent. He is the creator. And he will move heaven and earth on behalf of his peoples to establish his bride to change the church from the church into the bride. Now, Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. And, and a lot of people say, well, this is just a, a Jewish thing. That's just Old Testament. Well, let me tell you what, God set this in order before he ever called Abraham, and he did it a long time before he ever called Abraham. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. God established the heavenly bodies. They're not bad, they're good. God created them. And he established them for a specific purpose. And it is the perversion of these things by Satan that is being used by those that want to oppose God. Now it's also very interesting that the word in Genesis chapter 1 verse 14 that is translated season 
is the Hebrew word moed. And this is the very same word that in Leviticus chapter 3 is translated the feast, the feast of God. So very much these feasts are for signs and for seasons. It's even the same Hebrew word. Now, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 20, and now it starts getting real good. And you see here the the Pleiades. Canst thou loose the sweet influence of the Pleiades? And the Pleiades were known as the seven stars. And the seven stars, and I think this is cool too, six of them were visible to the naked eye, but one of them was invisible. <laughs> I like that. But in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 20, what are the seven stars? And what are the significance of it? Canst thou loose the sweet influence of the Pleiades? Revelation 1 and 20, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So, big doodly deal if the Pope wants to worship the devil and uh, associate, worship the host of heaven and associate it with all of these fa fallen powers, we have a God that is the creator of the universe and the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Canst thou loose the sweet influence of the Pleiades? Job didn't know but Jesus does know, and he gives us the answer. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. And I'm jumping on my list a little there, Donna. Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 through 19. <clears throat> and let's read here definitively what Jesus said. Jesus says, yes, absolutely, we can do it. Now, Matthew chapter 16, let's begin in verse 16. This is the great confession of Simon Peter. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. You see, at that moment, Simon became a heaven dweller instead of an earth dweller. You see, Simon's feet were on earth, but the Father in heaven was revealing unto him. Verse 18, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, not upon Peter, but the rock of revelation, the church is built upon what the Father revealed from heaven. Jesus says, I don't do anything except what I see and hear my Father do. And Jesus said unto us, As my Father sent me, so send I you. And we are to be heaven dwellers just like Jesus was a heaven dweller. He was on earth and in heaven at the same time. 
according to the third chapter of John. And here, when Simon became a heaven dweller, Jesus said, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's what I'm going to build this church on. And in verse 18, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Because in the secret place of the Most High, when we are seated with Him in heavenly places, though Lucifer tried, he cannot ascend there. Though the false prophet will try, he cannot ascend there. There is perfect peace, perfect safety, perfect victory at the throne of God. And this is where we must fight from, from the throne. Now, look at verse 19. This is for the heaven dwellers. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to be a heaven dweller. Now, verse 19, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Though your little feet are on earth, and you bind it here, it'll be bound in heaven if you're a heaven dweller. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. You see, canst thou loose the sweet influences of the Pleiades? Yes, we can. We can loose the angels of the seven churches to move in a miraculous way on our behalf. And with what the battle we have to fight we have to have the help of heaven. We have to put ourselves in a position where the Lord can help us. And that's what it's all about. We have to understand that this victory is not capable in and of ourselves, but if we position ourselves where the Lord can help us, He will give us the victory and in an abundant way. And as I say, we serve a big God. Ask big. Pray some big prayers this week. In Psalm 103, let's read verse 19 through 21. And this is extremely important. Psalm 103, verse as all the Word of God is, it says, Psalm 103, 19 and following, The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. That's what we need to understand is that the throne of God rules over everything. In verse 20, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. When we align ourselves with the Word of God and we speak and teach and live the Word correctly, this is just like saying, sick them to a dog to the angels of God. We will have the supernatural assistance from heaven. We will have that little help from the sanctuary that we are going to need and we are going to be, be able to feel that anointing and that heavenly empowerment that's coming to us right from the throne of God. In verse 21, Bless ye the Lord, all ye his 
host, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. So you see, while Satan has a host of heaven, Jesus has a host of heaven also. And guess which host of heaven is going to win? Yeah, you got it. These guys that are aligning themselves with the Pope and with Obama's agenda, with the New World Order, they are on the wrong side. It might look like they got all the marbles right now, and in the view of the earth dwellers, they do, but let me tell you, they are on the wrong side of this fight. Now, in John chapter 15 and verse 7, and I think I'm going to attempt to close. Whenever I say I'm going to close after a scripture, it seems like i got to read two or three more. But we're going to gear down here. And boy, there's so many things, so many more things that uh, we want to share here. We're going to get very, very specific on how we need to pray and address these fallen powers because we literally have authority uh, at the throne. We really do. We've got a seat at the table for this one, folks, and we need to realize it and start praying uh, from the position of victory. John chapter 15 and verse 7. John chapter 15 and verse 7. And we read in the uh, 103rd Psalm how that the angels of God are activated by the word of God. Angels love good sound doctrine. They love it. Now, John chapter 15, verse 7. And this connects the idea of the word of God and prayer. This is what Jesus said. John chapter 15, verse 7. If ye abide in me, and my words, and my words, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you wow it's so important that we understand that the doctrine of Christ is our main anchor our main motivation and when we anchor ourselves in the doctrine of Christ and the work on the cross and the example of our Lord, we will see the revelation of God flow and flow and flow and open up to us. And I just... Words fail me to express the excitement that I feel and the... Uh, the victory that I feel in the Lord this morning and uh, the confidence that I feel that the captain of the Lord's host is indeed in charge this morning. But we are going to close out here in a word of prayer and we've got much, much more. We're going to be going right on next week and maybe more to, to, to get this all to where we can really appreciate it and digest it but for now we're just going to close out in a word of prayer heavenly father we do thank you so much for each and every one that's gathered this morning father we just ask you to fill every hungry heart
And Lord, I just pray that we have a hunger like never before, a hunger for the Word of God and a hunger and a thirst after righteousness, a hunger and a desire to seek your face and enter into the secret place of the Most High. Father, reveal unto your people this morning the exceeding power of your greatness and the marvelous plans that you have for your people. And Lord, we just give you the praise for everything good that happens. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. And we will see you next week on FOJC Radio Church. God bless you all. Thank you for being a part of FOJC Radio Church. You can contact us at FOJC, Post Office Box 4174, Evansville, Indiana, 47724-4174. Or you can call us at area code 812-473-3735. Or you can email us at Last Days Church at cs.com. Or you can check out our website at www.ritualabusefree.org. That's all one word ritualabusefree.org. That's R I T U A L A B U S E F R E E dot O R G. And please remember to tune in next Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Time. Thanks and God bless. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.